I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this question. How do you use the home that God has given you? How do you use the home that God has given you? Do you use it do you use it primarily for yourself? That's the pretty, you'd think about that that's probably a pretty natural way to use your home as a basic thing that you need, shelter and warmth, a place of protection, a refuge. But is there a, a better way that we as God's people can be using it? I think a lot of the way that my grandmother and my great aunt used their homes, and they did not have impressive homes by worldly standards. I can remember very clearly after church one Sunday morning, I was a teenager, and Aunt Donna had invited me over to her home for lunch after church. And we went there in that small house on Mabel Street. And she was had, uh, I think it was a pork loin, and had sliced up a little tomato, and had a little bit of uh, mashed potatoes and gravy. It wasn't a, it wasn't a huge spread. In fact, it was a pretty small table. It was one of those little round tables that has the kind of the, the leaves that fold down on the end and it was pushed up against the wall. It was this kitchen sort of half dining room. I can remember sitting at that small table with a small meal and feeling like I, I was feasting on something amazing. Because it wasn't about the meal. It, there was more to it than that. It, it wasn't about the, the home. There was more to it than that. What I was experience, experiencing was the love and the joy and the peace that my Aunt Donna had and that she opened her home and filled with. And she didn't just invite her great-nephew into that. She invited all sorts of people. She babysat children and things like that. So she used her home as a means of reaching people. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today, because I want us to think a little differently about how you use the home that God has given you in a way that's more than just about you. Raymond Williams shared the, the account of his family, how they used their home. Uh, you, you know, Raymond is a, is a tall, slender, muscular fellow, kind of like your preacher, and when he... You always laugh at that. When he was younger, of course, he played football. And so he was telling me that he often would invite his teammates over to the house after practice or after a game. Now, the boys came because they were going to get some good home cooking. They were going to get Mama Sally's best meal. And they thought they were just there to fill their bellies, but what they really got was something much more. They were going to have their souls fed as well. His brother Tom, he had those boys in his home, would not miss the opportunity to share the gospel with Raymond's teammates. To share the gospel, to share the bread of life, not just the bread on the plate. He shared the gospel with those boys, and they would leave with their bellies full, but they would also leave having been introduced to Jesus. So what they went for was food on the table, but what the Williams provided them with 50 years ago was was food for the heart, food for the soul. The Williams, what they did 50 years ago was what we're going to talk about today and why it matters just as much today as it did 50 years ago when we talk about 
showing hospitality to one another. Now, when I talk about hospitality, I have to be careful because in our Western culture, in our Western mindset, we have sort of subcontracted it out. (laughs) We have delegated it to, we have hotels where you can get a room for the night. We have restaurants where you can go and have a meal freshly prepared. Now, I'm not against hotels and restaurants. You know one restaurant I'm particularly in favor of. But when we think hospitality, we're talking about personal hospitality. And it's an ancient practice, but in our world, it's a dying one. And I think we miss something by sort of skipping over and and sort of excusing ourselves out of this one another. In our culture, we really don't think a lot about personal hospitality, let alone practicing it. And so I I want us to open up the scriptures this morning and think and open up our hearts to thinking about what God has in mind for our home more than just us. Okay, so open your Bibles because the very first thing we need to understand is that hospitality is biblical. Biblically speaking, hospitality is both commanded and commended. It's in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. If you want to go to the book of Leviticus, if you don't know where the book of Leviticus is, pull out your pew Bible, turn to page 125. Now, Leviticus is part of the old law. It's not under the covenant that we, with which we live today, of course. But you need to understand that God's people under the old covenant had this command, and it was this. In Leviticus 19, verse 34. And let me back up and do one verse 33. One verse prior. 19, verse 33, Leviticus. When a stranger sojourns, we have some sojourners with us this morning. When a, when, that word simply means a traveler. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt, I in the Lord your God. So, so God wants his people to remember where they were and to remember that when they have strangers who travel among them. In many Eastern cultures, it's a common practice. We see this in several Bible stories where the, the people were expectant that when guests and visitors came through their town, they had an obligation to host them, an obligation to provide them a meal and give them a place to stay. This was a common practice in the culture, but it was certainly expected biblically. Now you say, well, we don't live under the New Testament, and that's true, so turn over to the New Testament. We'll go to Romans chapter 12, which is a very practical way, practical chapter on practical Christianity. And here's what the Apostle Paul writes, page 1216 in the book of Romans. He writes this. Chapter 12, verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints, that's the church, and seek to show hospitality. So there's two aspects of hospitality. There's, there's hospitality toward the saints and there's hospitality toward the stranger, and both are important to do. New Testament hospitality is both commanded and commended. Now, let me, let me give you a, I hesitate whether to share this with you or not. Um, I want to share with you the original word for hospitality. 
And I don't do that to impress you with my knowledge of the Greek language because I know enough Greek to be dangerous, okay? But in doing my study over this, the, the original word for hospitality is this word that you see on, on the slide. And if you don't read Greek, I put it under there in the English phonetical uh, pronunciation of it, philoxenia, okay? So that one word represents two ideas, philo representing brotherly love, and xenia representing the stranger. So hospitality literally meant to show brotherly love toward a stranger. Brotherly love toward a stranger. Now, if you don't want to study Greek and you don't want to get into all of that, that's fine. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, because this is an interesting verse. This is something that really will make you think about why hospitality is so important, and especially along the lines of opening your home to a stranger. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. The writer of Hebrews says this. Let brotherly love continue. This is page 1290 if you're not exactly sure where Hebrews is. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You say, whoa, 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 stop, 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 time out, time out. What is he talking about? What does that mean? I I think it means what it means. We can think of biblical accounts where God sent angels and they didn't have wings and halos and bright lights. They took the appearance of human beings and they were still doing the bidding of God and they go to deliver a message or to perform a task and the people of God get to interact with these angels by the simple act of showing hospitality. If you want to do a deeper study on that, you want to go to Genesis chapter 18. It tells us the story of how Abraham met with angels as they deliver the message about a promised son to an older, very old, Abraham, Abram and Sarai. And as soon as Abram meets him, the scripture says, he basically instructs Sarah, go kill something quickly. Now you think about that, Hospitality meant it wasn't like, you know, she had the, the meal pre-made. She, she couldn't just pop something in the microwave. She couldn't even just go to the store. She had to literally kill something, you know, render it, cook it, prepare it. This meant this whole thing took some time. So hospitality is something that it's, it's invites us into God's holy work. You say, does that happen today? To which I say, I don't know why not. I don't know why God can't still send his messengers to do his work. I don't know how he does it or if he does it. The scripture just says, don't neglect hospitality because you never know who you're hosting. And that gives me chills just thinking about it. So it's important. God used hospitality in all sorts of ways. He used it in the story of Abraham. He used it in the story of Elijah. Remember the widow at Zarephath? She was on her last meal. Her son was dying. And Elijah, or God used the hospitality of this widow so that Elijah could perform a work and raise her son. 
When Jesus entered the world, Mary and Joseph, Mary is pregnant with the incarnate word. And there is no room for him, according to Luke chapter 2. There is no room for them at the inn. And one of the translations of the inn is the guest room. The people of the time had rooms in their house specifically for the guests. This morning, we partook of the Lord's Supper. Do you remember the original Lord's Supper when Jesus translated that from the Passover? It was in a borrowed room at a borrowed table, Luke tells us. So we see so many different ways in which God is working through the work of hospitality. And that wasn't just, that didn't just stop here. Okay, it's not just we read the final book of Revelation and we close it. It's continuing. Even in Acts chapter 2. Acts tells the story of the kingdom of God on earth. The kingdom of God on earth, of course, is the church. And in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, this account is given to us of the, on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 46. The scripture says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Now catch this. They broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Hospitality seems to be was like a regular part of Christianity and Christian practice. In fact... When you and I get sick, and it's serious enough, we have to go to the hospital. Where we get hospitals from was from the first century church practicing hospitality. Before modern medicine, it was the place where you went when you couldn't take care of yourself. You knew the Christians would have a place for you, a bed and some food and, and a place to get rest and reprieve because they were practicing hospitality. It matters. It matters more than we know. So why is this important for us? I think a great way, just like the Williams did, to share the gospel is to share your home, to share your table, really to share yourself. Hospitality, see, isn't just biblical. It is practical. There's a practical aspect to it, and that's what I want to spend the rest of the time on 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, Peter is very clear <laughs> to the Christians, and he writes this, 1 Peter chapter 4, 8 through 10, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. I agree with that. We should love one another earnestly, because love covers over a lot of things. But how do we do that? Well, he answers. He says this, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, I've read this verse differently now under the context of hospitality. As each has received a gift, now think about that. Your home is a gift. God gave it to you to use it to glorify him. And hospitality is how you do it. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. 
You see, I have an opportunity to show love to other people by the simple act of inviting them into your home. Let me ask you a kind of a direct question. When was the last time that you showed hospitality by inviting someone into your home to eat your food at your table, to look at the pictures on your walls, to see the books that you read, to step into a part of your life? Maybe you have the view that your home, you're like Superman and your home is like your fortress of solitude, you know? But if you think that way, let me challenge you in that. I don't think that's the biblical admonition for how we use our home. We're to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, if you don't do that, if that question embarrassed you a little bit, I didn't mean to embarrass you. I want to lead you to something. I want to lead you to do it like Grandma did. Grandma loved having a house full of people. She was great at hospitality. And my grandmother did not have a huge house, just like my great aunt. She, she, this was her house, 1708 Anita. Okay? That's where grandma raised three daughters. They had a family of five in a three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house with one-car garage. Can you imagine? You see... Today, we have much larger homes, but it seems like we have much smaller hearts. Grandma wanted people in her home. When you talk to Grandma, it was, when are you coming to see me? When I was in college, it wasn't just come to see me, it was bring your friends. She loved having a house full and playing cards and playing games and serving people. That was the way Grandma did it. And so, let me give you three practical tips from Grandma, okay? The first is... Your house is fine. I know, this is the objection you get whenever you talk about hospitality. Oh, I could never do that. My house is too small and it's too messy. We have children in our house. You see, my, see how small my grandmother's house was? And she was a master at it. It was fine. In fact, it made it better because it was so small and you filled it with people really easily. And there was energy when you had people in there. You say, well, my house is too messy. You just wouldn't believe how we live. It is disgusting. Can I tell you, it's fine. I don't know who came up with the idea of cleaning baseboards, okay? But you do not have to have clean baseboards to have people into your home. In fact, I'll say that I think there's sometimes you can go in a house that's too clean. You ever been in a house like that? It's too clean. Like you almost feel bad being there. Like put on the booties, the rubber gloves, the mask, the whole thing. Walk carefully. It's so perfect that it lacks warmth. My grandmother's house was very real. She would invite you in, you'd have, you know, table (laughs) in the kitchen, and you'd have a meal, and after the meal, everybody would take their plates and dishes to the sink. Invariably, somebody would make the mistake of trying to clean the dishes. And grandmother would be in the living room, in her chair, and she would say, leave those dishes alone. Why? Because those dishes will always be there. 
but you won't be. It's really important for us to realize we don't have to have perfect homes to practice hospitality. You're inviting people not just into your home, you're inviting them into your life. In fact, Grandma had a sign on the wall, I'll never forget it, it said, it was this cross-stitch thing, and it said, it was a picture of two chairs by a table, and it said, come in, sit down, relax. I'm sorry it looks this way, it isn't always this messy, sometimes it's way worse. (laughs) She was telling people, when you come to my house, it's you that I care about, You see, hospitality is less about your house and more about your heart. Number two, practice presence, not perfection. Hospitality, again, is not about inviting someone into your home and them having the perfect experience. It's about inviting them into your life. Oh... (sighs) I can, we cannot do that right now, Toby. We have a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and you don't know if they scream and they holler, and they would probably burn something down. It would be terrible. You know what? That would be the best hospitality I've ever seen. That makes for some of the best stories. Hey, we went over to their house, and there was a huge fire, and the fire trucks came over. You, you never forget stuff like that. You need to invite people into your life. And that's okay to do. And kids need to learn how to show hospitality. How are they going to learn hospitality if they don't ever see mom and dad doing it? We have to be okay with being present instead of being perfect. Remember the Bible story related to this? You, of course, do. Martha, Martha, right? Martha wanted things perfect. The temperature ready, got the stuff clean. Jesus is coming over, dust the mats. Mary's just sitting there. Who did Jesus commend? He commended Mary. Because Mary wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus. Because somehow, maybe intrinsically, she knew that she would not always have Jesus with her. Martha wanted it to be perfect. Mary wanted to be present. The scripture calls us to be present in all things. And number three. Will, if you'll slide that down for me. Number three. Nope, scroll on. There There you go. (laughs) Always plan for some extra people. Crockpots are great. This is a great tool. Throw some food in, warm it up, plan for extra. You don't always have to have a plan for it to work out. Invite some people. Have an open house. Make Sunday your open house. We do a lot of that in real estate. Sunday's open house day. Maybe Sunday should be your open house day. And just say, we're going to have some extra food. And at church, we're going to invite some people. Who are we going to invite? I don't know. Let our kids, let your kids go and invite some people. Oh, that'll be fun. Let them be involved with that. That's great. Make it a family project. When you get home, everybody has a job. Johnny's getting the drinks. Susie's going to put out the silverware. You know, find a way to work at it together. But don't don't strive to be perfect. Just strive to be present and always plan for a little more. So let us show hospitality to one another. In fact, I have a challenge for you. I want you to write this down. The challenge is this. 
We're calling it Have Him Over in October. Okay? See, so I'm giving you a little bit of time. I want you to have some people over in October. I want you to practice hospitality. I want you to invite people that you've always thought, we really should have them over, or maybe people that you don't know. But the point is to do it. Last night, the Alive class was invited over to the Bannings, and boy, we had a great time. It was, it was outside, it was in the backyard, they've got a wonderful deck and a little party cabin there in the back. It was, it was so much fun. They had games set out and everything. And it wasn't real, it wasn't something that was like, it was just this, it was just very chill and very relaxed. There wasn't a lot of, ten, in fact, Aaron Banning, one of my good friends, as he prayed for the meal, he said, tonight, we don't have a lot of stuff planned. We just want to be together with you. And I thought, that's it. That's hospitality. That's what it's all about. Don't make the only time you have an open house is when you're getting ready to sell it. You should have an open house because God's given you that house. Now, I'll extend it another way. We're going to talk about this a little more tonight. Um, there's hospitality to the saints and there's hospitality to strangers. We need to do both. In fact, if you want to really be challenged, read Luke chapter 14, verse 12 and following. And Jesus says, when you have a banquet... <laughs> Invite the poor and the lame and the crippled and people who can't pay you back. Why? Because God has done, he has blessed you in ways that you can't pay back. And so when you show hospitality, you have an opportunity to show love to people who can't pay it back. Now that's, that's a, a deeper lesson, so if you want more on that, we can come back tonight. But I just want to encourage you to have them over in October. I want you to write down two names of some Families that you'd like to invite to your house. And I, I don't want you to spend a lot of time cleaning your house. And I don't want you to prepare an extra fancy meal. I want you to invite them into your home and into your life, not into your house. The greatest invitation, of course, of hospitality, the greatest act of hospitality was the eternal one. Uh, Brent mentioned it this morning, but I'll reference it again in John chapter 14. Jesus said this right before he left, and I hope you'll read these words with fresh eyes and an open heart. He says this, do not, this is right before he leaves this earth, he says, let your, not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. You see, <laughs> the gospel invitation is God's eternal act of hospitality. Heaven is being prepared for you right now, this very second. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And the invitation has been sent through his only son. My question to you is, have you RSVP'd? Have you responded? Have you replied? Have you accepted the free gift of grace, which is only through faith in Christ Jesus? If you haven't done that, I want to encourage you greatly. Don't miss out on the invitation to our Father's house.
May we, as the people of God, not just receive the invitation, but may we extend that invitation to as many as we can. How do we do that? A very simple way, practice hospitality. If you need Christ or if you have any other spiritual need this morning, our shepherds are going to be at the back of the auditorium. We're going to sing this song. If you'd like to respond to the invitation to your father's house or if you'd like the prayers of our shepherds or any other spiritual need, please head to the back right now as we stand and sing this song.